European Heart Journal issue at a glance, volume 37, issue 20, focus issue on atrial fibrillation, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Luscher. Atrial fibrillation, novel risk factors, mechanisms, and ablation techniques. Atrial fibrillation, in its paroxysmal and permanent form, is the most common arrhythmia, and it will probably become even more common in an aging society. Besides age and hypertension, there are other risk factors for the development of atrial fibrillation, for instance vigorous physical activity, along with overweight and obesity. In their review, The Role of Obesity in Atrial Fibrillation, Jonathan Kalman from the Royal Melbourne Hospital in Parkville, Australia, reminds us that atrial fibrillation is associated with these conditions, which both represent global epidemics associated with considerable mortality and morbidity. Obese subjects have a higher incidence, prevalence, severity, as well as progression of atrial fibrillation compared with their normal weight counterparts. Of note, Weight change appears to affect the arrhythmia profile, making raising overweight and obesity targets for intervention important also from this perspective. Indeed, durable weight reduction strategies facilitate the management of atrial fibrillation. As such, stable weight loss decreases the arrhythmia burden and recurrence of atrial fibrillation following treatment. Structural remodeling in response to weight loss suggests that reverse remodeling of the atrial substrate mediates improvement of arrhythmia profile. Furthermore, obesity often coexists with risk factors for atrial fibrillation that improve in response to weight loss, making a consolidated approach of weight control attractive. However, such a strategy remains in its infancy and its broad adoption as a management strategy for atrial fibrillation remains to be implemented. The epidemic of atrial fibrillation requires more intensive research into the complex mechanisms of this arrhythmia. Thus, the second review article, Novel Mechanisms in the Pathogenesis of Atrial Fibrillation Practical Applications, by Prashanthan Sanders and colleagues from the University and Royal Adelaide Hospital in Adelaide, South Australia, is a timely update on this subject. The authors note that there is urgency for effective translational programs to facilitate an individualized therapy to modify the abnormal atrial substrate responsible for the perpetuation of this arrhythmia. It is known that atrial fibrillation begets atrial fibrillation. The authors focus on several novel aspects of the pathogenesis of atrial fibrillation, whereby practical applications in clinical practice are currently available or potentially not too far away. Specifically, they explore the contribution of atrial fibrosis, epicardial adipose tissue, autonomic nervous system, hypercoagulability, certain drugs, and focal drivers of adverse atrial remodeling, leading eventually to persistent atrial fibrillation. They also highlighted the potential practical means of monitoring and targeting these factors to achieve better outcomes. Emerging data also support the concept that aggressive targeting risk factor management will reduce the arrhythmia burden. Lastly, multidisciplinary integrated care holds great promise in improving cardiovascular outcomes of these patients along with potential cost savings. 
Atrial fibrillation is associated with an increased risk of stroke, which is currently estimated by using the CHA2DS2VASC score based on clinical parameters. However, commonly used cardiac biomarkers such as N-terminal of the pro-hormone brain natriuretic peptide, or NT-pro-BNP, and cardiac troponin high sensitivity are independently associated with the risk of stroke in atrial fibrillation. In an ESC CTU fast track entitled The ABC Age Biomarkers Clinical History Stroke Risk Score, a biomarker-based risk score for predicting stroke in atrial fibrillation, Ziad Hijazi and colleagues on behalf of the Aristotle and Stability Investigators aimed to develop and validate a new biomarker-based risk score to improve prognostication of stroke patients with atrial fibrillation. To accomplish this, the new ABC for Age Biomarkers Clinical History Stroke Risk Score was developed internally validated in 14,701 patients, and later externally validated in 1,400 patients. The most important predictors were prior stroke or transient ischemic attack, NT-pro-BNP, high-sensitivity cardiac troponin, and age, which were included in the novel score. The ABC stroke score was well calibrated and yielded higher C indices than the widely used CHA2DS2VASC score in both the derivation and the external validation cohort. Moreover, the ABC stroke score consistently provided higher C indices in several important subgroups. Thus, a novel biomarker-based risk score for predicting stroke in atrial fibrillation was successfully developed and internally validated in a large cohort and further externally validated in an independent cohort. The ABC stroke score performed better than the presently used clinical-based risk score and may provide improved decision support in atrial fibrillation. Current thromboembolic risk stratification schemes and clinical guidelines for atrial fibrillation consider stroke risk as independent of the type of arrhythmia, i.e. paroxysmal or non-paroxysmal atrial fibrillation. In a meta-analysis entitled The Impact of Atrial Fibrillation Type on the Risk of Thromboembolism, Mortality and Bleeding, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, Andrew McGavigan from Flinders Medical Center in Bedford Park, Australia, evaluated the impact of the type of atrial fibrillation on thromboembolism, bleeding, and mortality. They searched PubMed through November 27, 2014 for randomized controlled trials, cohort studies, and case series reporting prospectively collected clinical outcomes stratified by atrial fibrillation type and extracted the incidence of thromboembolism, mortality, and bleeding. Clinical outcome was extracted from 12 studies containing 99,996 patients. The unadjusted risk ratio for thromboembolism in non-paroxysmal atrial fibrillation compared to paroxysmal atrial fibrillation was 1.355. The unadjusted risk ratio was 1.689 in the subset of oral anticoagulation, while the overall multivariable adjusted hazard ratio for thromboembolism was 1.384. The overall unadjusted risk ratio for all-cause mortality was 1.462, 
and the multivariable adjusted hazard ratio 1.217. In contrast, rates of bleeding were similar. The authors conclude that non-paroxysmal atrial fibrillation is associated with a highly significant increase in thromboembolism and death. These data suggest the need for new therapies to prevent AF progression. Furthermore, further studies exploring the integration of the type of atrial fibrillation into models of thromboembolic risk are mandatory. The paper is accompanied by an editorial by James A. Rifle from Columbia University in New York, USA. As outlined in the review by Kalman and colleagues in this issue, a high body mass index is a risk factor for atrial fibrillation. In the third paper, Lean Body Mass and Risk of Incident Atrial Fibrillation in Postmenopausal Women, Marco Perez and colleagues from Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, USA, aim to determine in a subset of 8,832 participants of the Women's Health Initiative of Postmenopausal Women, whether lean body mass, as assessed by dual energy X-ray absorptiometry, predicts atrial fibrillation. Over almost 12 years of follow-up, 1,035 women developed incident atrial fibrillation. After covariate adjustment, all measures of lean body mass were independently associated with higher rates of atrial fibrillation, in particular total lean body mass with a hazard ratio of 1.24 per 5 kilogram increase, central lean body mass with a hazard ratio of 1.51 per 5 kilogram increase, and peripheral lean body mass with a hazard ratio of 1.39 per 5 kilogram increase. The association between total lean body mass and atrial fibrillation remained significant after adjustment for total fat mass with a hazard ratio of 1.22 per 5 kilogram increase. Thus, greater lean body mass is a strong independent risk factor for atrial fibrillation. After adjusting for obesity-related risk factors, the risk of atrial fibrillation conferred by higher body mass index is primarily driven by the association between lean body mass and atrial fibrillation. Complex fractionated atrial electrograms are targeted during persistent atrial fibrillation, AF, ablation. However, many complex fractionated atrial electrogram sites are nonspecific, resulting in extensive ablation. Ibutilide has been shown to reduce left atrial surface area exhibiting such atrial electrograms. In the fourth paper, the modified stepwise ablation guided by low-dose ibutilide in chronic atrial fibrillation, MAGIC AF, trial. Sheldon M. Singh from the Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, hypothesized that ibutilide administration prior to the ablation of complex fractioned atrial electrograms would identify sites critical for persistent maintenance of the arrhythmia, allowing for improved procedural efficacy and long-term freedom from atrial arrhythmias. 200 patients undergoing a first-ever persistent catheter ablation for atrial fibrillation were randomly assigned to receive either 0.25 mg of intravenous ibutilide or saline placebo upon completion of pulmonary vein isolation. Complex fractionated atrial electrogram sites were then targeted with ablation. The primary efficacy endpoint was the one-year single procedure freedom from atrial arrhythmia off antiarrhythmic drugs. 
Similar procedural characteristics, procedure, fluoroscopy, and ablation times, were observed with both strategies, despite a greater reduction in left atrial surface area with complex fractionated atrial electrogram sites, i.e. 8% versus 1%, and of termination of atrial fibrillation during complex fractionated atrial electrogram ablation with ibutilide compared to placebo, i.e. 75% versus 57%. The primary efficacy endpoint was achieved in 56% of patients receiving ibutilide and 49% receiving placebo, a difference that did not reach statistical significance. Similarly, no significant differences in periprocedural complications were observed in either group. Thus, Despite a reduction in complex fractionated atrial electrogram area and greater atrial fibrillation termination during complex fractionated atrial electrogram ablation guided by abutilide, procedural characteristics and clinical outcomes were unchanged. The paper is accompanied by a thoughtful editorial by D. Penn Shah from the Hôpital Cantonal in Geneva, Switzerland. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.